Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Jackson trying to escape and run for it, and he's got it more. Lamar Jackson down the sideline. Will they give it to him? They will. Touchdown, Baltimore. And with 117 left to play on Wild Card Weekend, the Hayes in the Barn. Oh my God! I wish you guys could. I wish we had a camera in here so you could see what we're doing. We're just a bunch of <laughs> clowns in here. <laughs> How much fun is that? All right, welcome on back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast. It is Friday, July twenty third. My name is Jake Luke. Doing a little bit of filibustering there to pull up the calendar because it is not actually Friday the 23rd. It is Tuesday night the 20th. We are continuing uh, our discussion of the training camp preview. Now moving on to part two for defense. Gentlemen, did you enjoy the offensive discussion from a few days ago? Oh, yeah. It was a good talk. Yes, indeed. It's an audio medium, Voss. You typically have to, if you want to give a take, <laughs> nodding's not going to cut it. <laughs> no, I think the offense is primed to be one of the league's best. Looking forward to it. It's exciting well balanced unit. They can rock and roll. Hell yeah. I think they can too. So we're excited about that. We're sitting here watching some NBA finals. Spenny is uh, making himself some nice, some nice, uh, getting some nice Aldi cuts there, making himself some sandwiches and uh, just kind of chowing down. It's uh, meat, meat roll ups. The, the fresh cabagola. Oh, where's the guy? Yeah, that's uh, the Genoa Salam. Hopefully, you don't have a uh, like a flashback to a traumatic childhood memory when you pull out the Gabagool and you actually think it's Uncle Ben's. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll probably just put on one of my short sleeve button ups and you know, cuss somebody out and just like get, breathe. A, little, get a little angry. Give us a little heavy breathing in the microphone. Have you? I'll get my sausage fingers and just make a fist. Have you guys ever eaten mortadella? Yeah, mortadella. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I don't, I didn't know if that was just a, a weird thing when your grandfather's a Greek butcher and brings home like entire loaves of lunch meat all the time. But uh, not my favorite meat, to be honest. Yeah, I could see. I like the prosciutto, little prosciutto, little gabagool. Turkey breast is my number one. I'm a I'm a gobbler. I'm a I'm a turkey gobbler. I'm a I'm a hard salami boy myself. Cajun turkey. I love Cajun turkey. Yeah, Cajun turkey or some buffalo turkey. Mm-hmm. They used That's to a good call stuff. me. Uh, they used to call me the Cajun turkey in high school because <laughs> when I during my bowling days. 
<laughs> Wearing some some crawdad bowling shoes. Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. Just knocking them down like, like Pete Weber. Who do you think you are? I am. Uh, okay. So we've started this out supremely off the rails. I think <laughs> as a function of the fact that we were uh, supremely off the rails when we wrapped up our offensive discussion. But uh, we're back. We're getting this thing on to the rails, ready to talk some defense, which I think is going to be an interesting chat. Um, Ravens defense always strong. They have built a reputation um, of being strong year in and year out. And I think uh, that was true last year. I think we're expecting it to be true again this year. But uh, there's some interesting, you know, spots, interesting question marks. Spenny, you had a, a nice article about uh, what is probably going to be a question mark, either good or bad, or, you know, hopefully not too much of either, or hopefully good, I should say. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there, there's just a, a couple question marks, maybe more so than we've seen with this defense in the past going into a regular season. So, Voss, what is the kind of first thing that jumps out to you about the Baltimore Ravens defense heading into training camp next week? Well, they're uh, testing the idea of coverage first over pass rushers, which I personally agree with, but um, I wrote an article maybe two weeks ago that this is the first time in 24 years that they have not had an outside linebacker, a Pro Bowl caliber outside linebacker to anchor the edge rush. Uh, it went from McCrary to Bulware to Suggs to Judon, and they don't quite have a guy of that caliber, at least that has proven himself quite yet. Spenny, what do you think? It's, uh, you know, <clears throat> you look at last year, Deshaun Elliott was a question mark. I think a lot of people had confidence in him, uh, in him as, you know, from an outside perspective looking in. And you hear the Ravens express confidence in him. And, you know, they were more than comfortable departing from Earl Thomas and trotting out Elliott. And now it's been an interesting situation with Tyus Bowser. And they go and draft Adafi away. And two players that, People just aren't really sure about, and I think that Bowser, there are a lot of reasons to feel good about what he can do. He, do, he does remind me of Judon in many, many ways, and maybe the most is that and I think Judon had a little bit more, for back of a little, lack of a better term, a little more hustle or dog in him as a pass rusher, just a little bit more aggression in the end. He is a bigger, longer pass rusher than Bowser, not that Bowser's you know, teeny or has short a short wingspan but they're good against the run they're good against the pass in terms of being a pass rusher and they're you know judon is a, a decent coverage outside linebacker but tyus bowser is an elite coverage outside linebacker so that's a difference i think bowser you know has been an ascending player as a run defender very much so and that's that's the big question mark for me other than that it's looking at rob ryan and the way people are talking about him maybe blowing smoke up some butts but Seems like he's doing some pretty good shit drill-wise and confidence-wise for probably Patrick McQueen. Patrick McQueen, jeez. Patrick Queen. So those are the, the areas of, of concern a little bit. And then finally, safety depth. But other than that, you've got tons of experience. The Ravens have a propensity to be able to self-scout midseason and go make a couple adequate moves to, to draw in what they need. And whether it's getting Yannick Ngakwe, whether it's finding an LJ Fortin, a Josh Bynes, whatever it is, I'm confident that if they are not happy the first month of the season they'll they'll make some moves is uh patrick mcqueen lightning mcqueen's brother to be uh voiced in the new cars movie and it's gonna have luke wilson play patrick mcqueen because owen wilson is lightning mcqueen my car is just you know my my engine just keeps stalling out mater this is crazy what are we doing here wow 
Yellow Springs Racetrack, <laughs> Route 66. Can't get enough of it. Claire Cleary. Uh, but yeah, so it's... This reminds me of Idiocracy. Yeah, what's going on? Don't jump. Um, yeah, so it's it's definitely an interesting group. I think you hit on some good points there, Voss. Uh, I'm interested on your thoughts on Wink Martindale. I think uh, we didn't get too heavy into Greg Roman in the offensive uh, preview. I think we did a little bit, but I feel like... Uh, there's rock star directors. There's rock star CEOs. Is Wink Martindale a little bit of a rock star defensive coordinator? Is he kind of is his profile out there in a big way? I would say yes. I would say yes. He does a great job of working with the talent he has and putting them in position to succeed instead of trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. Two years ago, he ran a ton of dime. Last year, he was short on safeties. He did different things. Obviously, he dials up all kind of different blitzes from all kind of different angles with a lot of deception and men dropping into coverage and stunts and twists and all of those things that cause quarterbacks trouble. I think he's one of the best. He reminds me a little bit of Rex Ryan, Rob's brother. And I think the Ravens are lucky to have him. I think he's one of the best. And if there is a, a coordinator that can scheme it up and manufacture pressure, he is, he is that coordinator. Benny, what are you expecting from uh, old Wink in 2021 with a lot of these uh, personnel changes that we've seen? Curious. Going back through some of the tougher games the Ravens had last year, there was just a lot of a lot of easy ways for good offensive lines and good quarterbacks to really mitigate pressure and and step away from it. A lot of times, you know, there's not outside rush on both sides because they like to drop their outside linebackers so much and a simple slide and a quarterback, you know, veering off can really give them all day at times. So that's something I'm curious about. Whereas, you know, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're going to rush four or five. There's going to be an outside rush very consistently trying to get you to step up through and work through. So uh, that's, that's something I think that is a little bit of a chink in the armor at times and good offensive lines are able to manage it and, and slide with it and, work around it so i i am expecting to see you know a bunch of stunts and a bunch of blitzes and stuff like that and uh you know it, it just feels like the ravens want to find football players on defense a lot of the time you know like deshaun elliott chuck clark patrick queen lj for a lot of these guys they, they have kind of similar skill sets in ways and and similar movement skills in ways and they can play in the box and they can run a bit and uh they they just hit and and want to be able to blitz and do all those things so just well-balanced defenders is is what I like to describe uh, Wink Martindale's defensive personnel as in many ways. And I think the one underrated aspect of, of people overlooking or, or where people are overlooking is, you know, all right, well, they got rid of Judon. They got rid of Ngakwe. They're, they're not buying into, you know, paying these B-list guys. Oh, there's not a Pro Bowl outside linebacker. But a couple of years ago, it was Chris Wormley, you know, a okay rotational player. Maybe he emerges, you know, later in his career, whatever. Brandon Williams brings nothing in pass rush, playing out of position at, as a three-tech. And Michael Pierce, three guys who can't rush the fucking passer. And now you're talking about Matt Abuike, Now you're talking about Derek Wolf. Now you're talking about Calais Campbell as the headliner of that, even though he is older and coming off a little bit of an injury. But they've got a substantially better interior pass rush. So I, I think there's a give and a take in terms of saying, oh, you know, well, they don't have pass rush. Well, they had no interior pass rush the last couple of years, uh, especially prior to last year. So it's a little different. And I'm curious to see how they utilize, you know, that that four-man rotation of Matabuike, Wolf, Campbell, 
and someone I'm forgetting. But ultimately, I'm, I'm curious, I'm excited, and I'm, I'm very excited to see what this Ravens defense can do pressure-wise. So based on some of the guys you mentioned there, we can jump right into the first category, which is defensive line. So starting, I've got uh, Derek Wolf at defensive end. It has Chauncey Rivers listed behind him. Nose tackle, we got Brandon Williams, Justin Ellis, and Javon Swan. And then defensive tackle, you mentioned Calais Campbell. He's starting there. Justin Mataboyke behind him. Roderick Washington behind him. And Aaron Crawford in fourth there. So an interesting uh, kind of group of guys, some promising, some sort of just depth pieces, obviously, but uh, sort of a rock star core of their own up front there. Voss, everyone knows you love Brandon Williams, so I guess we can start with him. 66 run defense grade from PFF. Zero sacks in 2020, carrying a $12.9 million cap hit in 2021. That is the last year on his current deal. Go the fuck off. Um, I think this is probably his last year in Baltimore. I think if they were going to keep him around, they would have extended him at this point already. Uh, he's a known commodity. He can eat blocks. I don't think he is a dominant run defender, and he doesn't bring very much to the table as far as disruption he might make five impact plays throughout the course of a season that's probably if you add it up the tackle for loss and quarterback hits or or the rare sack um i and to spencer's point about wink um last year and 2018 and 2017 there was an outlet valve too often when they were able to have pressure in 19 that wasn't the case as much. That's why the, that was the best defense that Martindale's had, probably because Earl Thomas played a part in taking away the middle of the field, and they had some young guys that didn't know where they were supposed to be last year. Point being, part of the problem is they don't get a lot of pass rush from the defensive line, and it seems they can bring in different players, and it doesn't really matter. It just doesn't seem to materialize. Calais Campbell's going into his year 35 season, um, or 35-year-old, I should say. He had a few games where he was disruptive, but not a ton. Derek Wolf is that workhorse role player, great player, great guy to have around for the next couple of years, but he's not a premium pass rusher. The guy I'm really excited about, and I know we all are, is Matapique, who can benefit from a full off-season program, just like all the other second-year players will, and he is the guy that can penetrate into the backfield on a consistent basis. The Ravens haven't found many, very many of those guys. They've been more interested in drafting and signing two-gapping rung pluggers, Matabike, and to a lesser extent, Roderick Washington, who's, who's fared reasonably well from reports at OTAs, can maybe bring a little bit more disruption to the interior this coming season. Yeah, Matabike... 2020 stat line. So he has a sack, two tackles for loss, four hits, five hurries and knockdowns, seven pressures. That is in 10 games and three starts. Spenny, what is uh, jumping to mind with you with uh, Matabuke uh, fitting into this group? Where'd you get those numbers from? Those are low. SIS. Wow. SIS shitting on my boy. A little bit. Um, that's that's terrible. Three, but, set, three starts. Yeah. Though. Three starts. Yeah, how many? What's the percentage per snap, though? That's really. I think they were a little bit higher. I probably should have written them down. It's all good. Whatever. Who cares? Um, yeah. So Matabuike is a modern interior defensive lineman. He has a rare build, with you know not being the tallest guy in the world at six three, but having the arms of a man who's six foot six. 
He is slim. He is lean as a defensive lineman. And I don't think the Ravens have really ever had someone trying to, you know, rack my brain for someone that fits his kind of athletic and uh, build profile. And, And I don't think there's anyone really similar. Timmy Jernigan, I guess, is the only one that comes to mind. And I don't think he's quite the athlete of Matabuike who can really dominate with a long arm stalemate in the run game to lock out and free himself. He has speed, like he is quick. He can run in space and make plays. And he also just has incredible balance and core strength. He's able to work his hands. And I just don't think there's a better mentor in the world for him maybe than Calais Campbell, who took him under his wing. You know, they, they he's like the little brother. They love Mataboike. Uh, so I'm excited to see what he can do. I think he's a strong run defender considering how, how quick he is and all that good stuff. And he's a perfect... Perfect versatile looper or, or twister in stunts because he has that speed and, and some of that flexibility to have some inside-out games run where you can bring him around the edge. And he also is capable of kind of being the the trapper when in running game as a, as a stunter. And he will be able to free up a lane for, let's say, a Tyus Bowser or Pranava Fear or whatever one occupying the tackle. But then he's also got the athleticism to come off of that and still make plays. So he's got hustle. All, it's really, you know, I, I see all pro potential in him. I don't know if we'll ever get to that level. It's, you know, there's there's only so many guys that get that kind of glory for how many talented interior defensive linemen there are. And when there's guys like Chris Jones and Aaron Donald and, you know, the I guess Fletcher Cox is getting a little lower, but guys like that, it's it's really tough. But I see all of that in him. I don't think we see that quite yet. But I think in year three for him, we're going to see a, a leader of this defense, a stalwart defensive player that the, the Ravens are going to have to start considering kind of breaking the bank for potentially down the road. Um, that's that's where I see this going. I would be a little bit surprised to see a sophomore slump in ways, but not entirely impossible. But but definitely, I think many people are excited about Matabuike and, and what he's capable of doing. And uh, the, the, like Vaz said, the offseason is going to be great for him to just get more reps, more reps, more reps, more confidence. And again, I just think year three, maybe you don't see Calais Campbell back or something of the sort, and he's going to explode in a, in a full starter role. So I'm really excited for what the next two years bring for him. So who does his, you know, breakout that is kind of assumed to happen, who does that take snaps from ultimately, do you think? I think Clayus Campbell goes on a little bit of a pitch count, um, especially coming off of an injury. You got to look at Pernell McPhee and realize that Campbell's way older than him. Position's a little different, but hey, you know, 50% of snaps, 45% of snaps is probably going to be worthwhile to save Campbell, especially if this is a football team that we're expecting to, to win a lot of games. And you might not need Campbell early on, or you might not need him later, whatever the game dictates. But I think a little bit of Campbell. And, and more so Derek Wolf because he's going to play a lot of three-tech, and Derek Wolf plays a lot of three-tech. So uh, maybe we see some more usage of Wolf as a five-tech type player and Matabuike playing that three-tech. Uh, I would like to see Matabuike get some chances of one-tech on passing downs, working inside, working against centers, who he's going to be a lot more athletic and probably longer than. So uh, it's going to be a combination of guys, but I'm expecting a, a nice rotation, but it just kind of is worrisome beyond – those three guys, there's there's not a lot there. I'm, I'm not very high on Broderick Washington from what I've gone back and watched. Uh, he had a difficult situation, which apparently seems to be in the past now. But ultimately, 
Uh, I think he's a little out of place in the Ravens defense. Voss, where are we going to be at with this defensive line in the bye week, do you think? It depends on the uh, the health, really, of, of Campbell and Williams. They were both banged up last year. They're both long in the tooth at this point. I think they can be a solid unit. The one thing, and and I've Spencer and I have talked about this a little bit in Slack, they only play less than two defensive linemen per defensive snap. They're not in base very much at all. Um, so if you're looking for a potential surprise when it comes to cutdown day, don't be completely shocked if they're only roster five defensive linemen going into the season with a guy like Aaron Crawford uh, parked on the P squad ready to step in if injury arises. So I think it could be a decent group. I think you're also going to want to see McPhee stepping down in a three-point stance as a down lineman in substitution packages, and potentially also Jalen Ferguson, who I think I, mean, I would love be, to see that. That could be a place where his bull rush plays and he starts to carve out a niche where he can make some noise more than he has. So I think they'll be solid. The defensive line is a place where if you need to find a guy off the street in the middle of the season, you can. The Ravens have done that many times. I think they'll be fine. I don't think they're going to dominate, but I think they'll be a good group. And hopefully they can just get more disruption because that's what they need um, to, to take the defense to the next level. I like that but, Ferguson uh, idea. Interior, that, interior, that interior pressure is more valuable than pressure off the edge, in my view. No quarterbacks like pressure in their face. That's how you turn you know, throwaways and interceptions and bring down the quarterback and really – make a lot of turnovers happen especially and, mobile quarterbacks because it makes it easier for for those edge rushers to get into a chase than having to give them an escape lane and at the very least just like clearing shit out for some of the interior rushing stuff they like to do with uh mcphee and some of the inside linebackers and stuff and just confusing the young guys like you uh alluded to there some of these young mobile guys like joe burrow in his first game obviously i guess their only game against him like he looked like he had no idea what he was going up against and you know he really didn't and he got smoked by their uh their defensive front and i think the defensive line had a lot to do with that in that that game they obviously had a huge game against the browns in week one so they showed flashes last year it just felt like there was kind of a ceiling to what they could do so hopefully matabike can uh kind of come in and shake things up a little bit and uh maybe get a little more experimental with guys like ferguson i like that boss so how do we feel about defensive line? Anything left? I think we see more Aaron Crawford than we anticipate this season. I think he plays, you know, 15, 20% of snaps at some point. Not seems like the, a lot of guys on the team really love Jelly Ellis. That's all good and dandy, but um, I haven't been enamored with what I've seen from him in terms of kind of tackling radius and his ability to come off of blocks and, and end plays or really control the line of scrimmage. So Crawford is kind of next in line there at that, that zero or one. And I wouldn't, wouldn't be shocked, but one injury to one guy really derails this group uh, as, as we're talking through this now. And I think that is a, a very sneaky need is to find an emerging, maybe a UDFA or someone you can poach from another team or maybe a trade partner using someone like Ben Powers or something. So very cool. sneaky need. There's still some guys out there. Kawan Short and Geno Atkins are unsigned, which are more of the penetrative types. Uh, Damon Harrison, Snacks Harrison, is also unsigned. You can get him for a vet min contract. 
They sniffed around on him too, I think. He I was so. he was the player that they based Brandon Williams' contract after off okay. of the original contract, and he was considered better than Brandon Williams at that point because he, like you just mentioned, tackle radius. He was bigger, just way longer, yeah. and uh, and I think he made it two years into his deal, and they cut him loose. Uh, but there are guys. I mean, I think you can find a D lineman if you have to, especially for this scheme. You're looking for uh, what was the guy Petco, like a Petco or somebody like that. We're not talking about you know a one gapping three tech that's going to blow up every play. You just really need a body something. Body, so make you find that. Wash some things up. All right. Anything left on D line? Just no. hope Clayus Campbell stays healthy. That's all. Yeah, that seems going to be crucial and was not totally a given last year. I mean, he had COVID, obviously, but uh, I think he had some other injury issues he was dealing with, too. Which his, is calf. Yep. his calf. His calf. His calf. His calf was, he couldn't move, and he's, I mean, he's 35 years old. He's yeah. Not, yeah. That's pretty old. They they probably they do need to put him on a pitch count, the more I think about it, because like he's gonna be crucial in some of those those late season games. His impact against the Titans just from like a, a leadership standpoint was pretty big. Uh linebackers. So we got Tyus Bowser. Wanted to start with you, Spenny, here. Signed a four-year, $22 million extension to start at outside linebacker. He racked up 32 pressures, three interceptions, saved a total of 42 points by SIS. I like that stat in 2020. Uh, why is he 21, 2021's make-or-break player in your estimation from your article today? Because he is capable of being as effective and maybe even more impactful because of his coverage ability than a Matt Judon. I think he can be a 50-pressure, eight-sack kind of guy. Very realistically, he was 70th in pass rushes among NFL edge defenders last year. So he hasn't had a ton of opportunity. And when you go further than that, a lot of those rushes, he had either some sort of coverage responsibility or some sort of run responsibility or contain. So he's coming off in low gear. In other words, not rushing upfield as soon as the ball is snapped. And he was able to translate some of those low gear pass rushes into pressure, but a lot of times he wasn't because he's he's not threatening his man off the snap. So having some of those more true rushes, he's going to be more productive if if that's the case. And I do like them relying on him, especially against, you know, some more base package stuff, some more 12s, some more 22, 21 personnel as a cover defender. But ultimately, I think he's capable of being a, a good pass rusher. And he's progressed against the run very much so. So I think that is the aspect that you... For me, at least, I think I'm I'm most curious to see him in a full-time 70-plus percent of snap role is just handling tight ends and tackles on the edge. He has improved a lot. That's why he didn't see a ton of playing time, it appeared to me, year one, year two. Um, and, and in you know year three, he had a pretty solid season, had a good bit of snaps, but uh, it's still not a full-time starter. So I think that him consistently getting his hands inside has helped him very much so as a player in the run game, and if he's able to be a Matt Judon level, let's say he's 90% of Matt Judon, the Ravens are in a great fucking place. They're in a great place in terms of this season. They're in a great place in terms of cap allocation. They're in a great place for the next couple of years. So him having a good year, feeling confident, would be awesome. And the one thing that I came away most impressed with when I really just put my microscope on him specifically through about probably 300 plays was – he communicates very deliberately 
very deliberately pre-snap. He is barking out commands. He's calling out plays. He is very confident. And that's surprising to me because as I wrote in the article, you know, he's just a little bit, he's, he's an introverted kind of guy in, in this locker room, it feels like. And he's never been the one in the spotlight. He's never started. He's been around Judon, who's a goofball and a, and a jerk and whatever. And, you know, now Yannick Ngakwe comes in this big kind of, you know, star-esque player and Darius Smith and Terrell Suggs have been there and Pernell McPhee is a veteran that, you know, commands a ton of attention um, like media wise and team wise. So it's kind of blended in. So I was pleasantly surprised to see that he's not an introvert on the field. He is uh, a leader. It feels like he's a very film dedicated guy. He called out a ton of run concepts and, you know, it ends up with like a cornerback crashing into an outside run play because he called it out and shifted his body immediately after the snap to, to angle to it. So, I'm really excited for Tyus Bowser, and I think he's going to have a really strong year. And when you look at the contracts between Judon, Ngakwe, and Bowser, it's leaning pretty heavy. He's going to be the most bang for your buck. Voss, what do you think about uh, all that and uh, kind of what you're seeing from these other outside linebackers? It's an interesting group. You got Bernal McPhee coming back as the veteran at the uh, the rush spot. They list him out on the depth chart. You got Odafe Owe. What's kind of your your take on all these guys and uh, and the re-signing of uh, Bowser? It's a very interesting group. I think the Bowser re-signing was a great move. I'm not sure. It's, we're going to see if he can handle a 70% snap share. That was one of Judon's greatest attributes. I'm not sure, you know, and I and I had the pleasure of, of uh, editing and scheduling Spenny's article about Bowser earlier today. Um, how's he going to hold up setting an, an edge on an increased snap share? I'm not sure about that. Fortunately, I have some options here. I kind of envision, obviously, Bowser's a starting Sam. I think the rookie Hayes, Dalen Hayes, is going to be the backup Sam. He has that versatility. He seems like a very heady, cerebral, high-floor kind of player, maybe not making a bunch of splash plays, but not making mistakes at the same time. On the other side, you had McPhee. I think you want to keep McPhee around 40% of snaps. He played 42% last year. He's still a very effective player, three-way player, two-way player, whatever you want to say it in that as long as he's healthy, and then Odafi Owe kind of platooning with McPhee. Um, and really the group's going to come down to how fast does Owe assimilate into the scheme? What are you getting from him? And as a situational pass rusher, as an edge setter. And then you have Ferguson, who's limited player, but he can definitely be a, a solid, stout run defender. I don't necessarily think the Ravens need to add an outside linebacker right now. I know there's a lot of buzz about Justin Houston and Pittsburgh just signed Ingram. So the arms race and we've seen DaCosta make kind of counter moves when other teams make moves uh, previously. Uh, You have Houston, you have Olivier Vernon out there, Everson Griffin. I don't think they necessarily need that. I'm comfortable with who they have. I don't think it's going to be an elite edge rusher group, but I think it's when coupled with the coverage ability they have on the back end, it's good enough. And I do expect um, DaCosta to be active in the trade market around the midseason. You got any, you know, just off the top of your head, people that you'd be keeping an eye on at the position or kind of what is the, uh, the, you seem like a guy who would be plugged in in that regard. So anyone you'd be looking at (laughs) as far as free agents, trade targets, that kind of thing. I feel like you're, you're always envisioning these scenarios in your head. Uh, to be honest, I haven't really taken a look at that specifically. Um, I think it might depend. Let's see. I don't know. New Orleans is tied up against the cap. Maybe you could pry away somebody from them. Uh, 
I mean, it's going to depend who's probably an NFC team. I, I really don't. Don Miller's interesting. Yeah, that's a good one. We've talked about Chandler signing Jones him. is interesting. That's uh, the one. That's the one right there. Chandler Jones. And apparently he wants a new contract. Derek he's, Barnett is interesting as someone who might thrive a little bit more as an outside linebacker than that hand in the dirt end that the Eagles run. And Philly's got a ton of back. They, they drafted Josh Sweat is coming on. Philly can spare an edge rusher for sure. Just going through here. Even even one guy that I actually is like very strange, but Dennis Gardeck from Arizona. Uh, he's a free agent next year. He's super cheap. He's only $3 million this year. I scouted the Cardinals for Sports Info Solutions last year. Ferocious energy as a pass rusher. Great get-off. Tons of energy. Good bend. Uh, not super refined, but it's another, another one to watch. I'm just looking through 2022 free agent edges as of now, and some of those guys make sense considering, you know. What is Chandler Jones getting paid? Can you, you have that in front of you? Let's see. His value of his contract is very high. I'm not sure. Let me look up. I got it. I got it. Because you basically – I got it. What do we got? He has a cap hit of $4.6 million. Oh, wait. That's his bonus. Cap number is $20 million. Uh, right, so that's, that's a little tough. Well, but some of it's going to be eaten up on bonus, and then you're only going to be paying the second half of the season because Arizona will pay in the first half. Looks like, like he would save the Cardinals $11 million if they traded him after June 1st. So I'm assuming there's a, a heavy salary there. I'm pulling it up now. Um so let's see. His base salary is fifteen point five million. So, yeah, I mean, even if, even if you trade for a midseason, it's you're, you're looking for the Cardinals to stink, which feels like they're going to be relatively competitive. So it's tough. Tough division, though. Very tough division. Right. Anyway, that, that's a guy to keep an eye on. But I feel relatively confident in this group. You you got five contributors. It depends on how fast the rookies, what the rookies can bring, what they can contribute off the bat. What do we, right. what, what do we need to see from Odafe Owe to be confident that he's going to be a productive player this year in preseason? If he even plays uh, that much, I think, I think just being able to do exactly as they think he can, which is make plays against the run, be a high level run defender, and I don't really, I feel like. He's kind of a Patrick Queen where I anticipate a lot of splash plays because of athleticism, but there's inexperience and you're going to have to live with it and you you want to live with it. He's a some for now, some for later player where you drafted him for, you know, things that he can do now a little bit in the run game, but you want him to take those lumps as a rookie and get the experience and put it on the board. So it, I think it's just not being confused by – run concepts, not, you know, looking like Jalen Ferguson against the 49ers a couple years ago where the, the ball is running to outside of his contain and he has no fucking clue where the ball is going. So that is, uh, those are the things I, I don't have, I don't have terribly high expectations, even though I feel like I am decently high on him. Um, not as high as some, but a higher than a good bit. But uh, I just think looking confident and understanding his assignment and just chilling where he's supposed to be would be promising. 
Voss, you were uh, pretty happy on draft night one, partially because of OA. That's not always a, a common thing around uh, here in these parts with you on draft the, night. The, um, the Larico's household. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> what, what is kind of your take on OA heading into training camp? I'm excited about him personally. Uh, I, I think you are too. Yeah, I mean, I think the sky's the limit. You know, he's a he's a upside player, high ceiling player. And I think too often, or maybe sometimes, the Ravens take high floor players, and I think you need a mix um, you know, he has the ability to be a sack artist, a, a feared player that the opposition is game planning for every week and putting chip blocks. Um, and I just, I like his athletic profile. I like his, what he projects to. He's not a finished product, but maybe as a situational uh, pass rusher, as an off the edge, he can make some noise. Suggs was a situational pass rusher his rookie year, and he was a top 10 pick, but uh, he won uh, defensive rookie of the year. And away, if he starts putting up, and here's the other thing, and this will transition into the next group. So you have Bowser and Hayes, who are, especially Bowser, obviously, he's a coverage extraordinaire. The pressure doesn't have to come from the edge as long as you're getting pressure. And then you have Patrick Queen, who was a very effective A-gap blitzer last year. You have the ability to mix it up. And as we said earlier, pressure up the middle is sometimes better than off the edge when they can sidestep it. So you have the ability to maybe you drop Bowser and away or Hayes and send Queen. You know, there's a lot of different things you can do. I do prescribe to Wink's comment. I don't remember exactly what he said, but that sacks are overrated or, or they're just – He said sacks are overrated. Yeah, I don't know if he said that. He said they're – As a like as a, like a stat. He was it's like, like a window dressing stat. Right. Yeah. And I agree with that 100%. Always have. Okay. So I guess that's enough on outside linebackers. I guess One guy I want to mention really quickly, Malik Harrison. Play a lot there. So I kind of, I kind of yeah. wanted to include him in the discussion with Queen. I know it's kind of like you're, you're talking about a little bit of a different thing with the Will spot, but I had him listed with the inside linebackers. But obviously, we're going to be talking about him. So LJ Ford is in the mix behind those two guys. They're both listed as the starters at uh, Mike and at Will. So how long is the leash on these guys? I know there's a lot of kind of a lot of heat on Patrick Queen right now by some people who think he's you know, a little little too unhinged. Malik Harrison was obviously really promising in different spots. And like you hinted at, there's there's different responsibilities and whatnot there. So how would you kind of divvy up where these two guys stand heading into 2021? I'm excited for Rob Ryan to be with Patrick Queen. And I would like to see Malik Harrison play like 150 snaps on the edge if, uh, you know, before they resort to the, the trade market. I think that he can definitely help in base as just someone who understands leverage and body positioning and how to how to fucking shed blocks. So I like that a lot. And I, I think I think Queen's gonna have a good year, man. I, I really do. I really do. Um you, I had that exact thing written down on my notes, Spencer. I think Harrison can play as an outside backer for sure. I'm interested to see how stats are divvied between he and Fort. Fort is your steady assignment sound, uh high leverage down kind of guy that you want on the field who's not gonna make a mistake. Harrison's the thumper, especially when you're playing some smash mouth teams. You want him on the field. Queen, um, we'll see how he does in coverage. You know, being an inside linebacker in today's NFL is 
very difficult. You have teams attacking you, especially against a secondary that the Ravens have. Um, it's confusing, and he didn't play a lot and he, as in college, and he didn't play. He didn't have preseason last year. So maybe he makes a small improvement in coverage. That would be great. The one thing I'm hoping he improves a lot on is the missed tackles. You can't have missed tackles, that many missed tackles, and I don't have the percentage in front of me, but he was one of the highest missed tackle rates in the game last year. Um, hopefully added some strength and added some confidence and is working with Ryan, and he can he can cut down. Now, you can't have wide receivers running over your, your inside linebackers AJ Brown's not a wide receiver. He's just a fucking beast. But I, yeah. I agree. You know what I mean? That that's the one thing where I, if he can become a more short tackler, then I think he'll he'll have a good year. Yeah, and a lot of that is just slowing the game down. He was a little overzealous in the hole sometimes. Yeah, Malik Harrison also like going back and watching just a little bit. Like he impressed me with his ability and coverage, not only to diagnose but also to like make plays you don't really see a linebacker make, like getting an arm to the ball and certain spots and kind of just, you know, really impressed overall by Malik Harrison. And, and I've been hinting that I think Patrick Queen in store for a big year, a little bit of a course correction. I think uh, he's going to get his feet under him a real off season. Some of this stuff is cliched at this point, but like it's cliched for a reason. Like he, you know, it's weird to be as young as he was entering the league as a pro with COVID and all that kind of shit. And like having to learn the defense on the fly, which is not easy having to play 17 weeks, which is but a, again, another guy would have benefited from a full off season. Yeah, exactly. And like, it's, it's just one of those things where you, you hear it a lot, but you know, it's, you know, it doesn't make it any less true. So excited to see what we see from Patrick Queen. Anything else on the linebackers? I mean, it's a young group. If you think about it, you have, if Washington pounds out, you have Matabike Washington up front. Then you have Bowser long-term, away and Hayes. And then inside backers, you have Queen. And I think Harrison's future is very bright. So that's your defensive front right there long-term. They're all first or second year guys besides Bowser. You're in good shape. But other other than that, I think Chris Board's probably the fourth. I really hope he's a special teams only player. I thought he was the weak link on in on defense when he was playing as the dime, uh, the dime backer last year. So I hope they can limit him. I don't think that's really his his niche. And he's going to be competing with Welsh, who had a roster spot for most of the year last year. So maybe that's where big time special teamer as well. And Spenny. So time. that's that's like Ben Mason versus Welsh versus Alaka versus Jordan Richards for that like last two, three special team spots. I don't think they necessarily have room for five. So it's probably going to be four. But just uh Alaka, he he could if he could stay healthy, I think he could end up being a, a linebacker, a fourth linebacker on the roster at some point. Friend of the friend of the podcast. Absolutely. So for me, I think Welsh is a traditional linebacker. I think that Board is a good blitzer. I think that he has a little bit of man coverage skill, but I don't think he can run fit and fill uh, confidently. And I think Welch has the upper hand there. So depends which direction you want to go in. Board has, you know, that that a little bit of man coverage ability, which is very intriguing, but he kind of is just like a man with his hair on fire that doesn't fully have a plan sometimes or is just like being used in a weird role that's not like a position kind of. I don't, I don't know how to explain it effectively, but uh, I think he's a great special teamer and I, I do think it is bored ultimately. Okay. So is that all we got on the LBs? Yes. DBs. 
great group. Just always a great group. You guys hinted on our uh, offensive preview pod that this cornerback group might be the best in the league. So I got Ravens 10th in pass defense DVOA per Football Outsiders. Uh, notable stats, Marlon Humphrey, eight forced fumbles in 2020. His previous career high was two. I wrote laughing my ass off. Uh, Chuck Clark, 69.5 pro football focus coverage grade, a 66.2 for Deshaun Elliott, so neither of them creeping into that 70s coverage grade for safeties. Uh, and then Marcus Peters accounted for 60 points saved in 2020, one below his career high in 2016, and eight clear of his third best of 52 in 2017. So he was pretty awesome in 2020. So returning a lot of good guys, added a few intriguing options. What do we make of this secondary, guys? Marlon Humphrey is Thanos, as Chad Johnson tweeted. Uh, he's you know he's going to beat your ass at the line of scrimmage. There's nothing you can do about it. Uh, I have Marlon at 43.9 points saved last year in coverage, which was third in the NFL. Roquan Smith, fourth. Very interesting. But uh, Marlon was outstanding with the fumbles. He, you know, <laughs> it's almost a joke, like, all right, he's going to get to go back on the boundary, Tavon Young and Sean Wade. But he ultimately, I feel like, is somehow going to end up back in the slot. And then you get Jimmy Smith back beyond Marcus Peters, and Peters is what he is. You know, he, he – makes a lot more good plays than bad plays. And, uh, you know, he's not a world beater in the run game, but he does make some tackle for losses against screens and things like that. And then beyond that is where it gets interesting. And I'm excited to see how it pans out with Averitt in a contract year. With Mon Marshall coming back from injury with uh, Sean Wade and Tavon Young also coming back from injury. And, you know, uh, Devontae Harris, who made some plays last year off the street. Or I guess not off the street, but uh, as a new addition in the middle of the year. So, very, very, very exciting group, and I can't wait to see how it pans out. Yeah, corners are stacked. Best cornerback room in the league, definitely. I mean, they're seven deep with quality. Um, and that's a good point, Spencer. I was going to make the same about Marlon. Does he continue playing in the slot? Because I think he's probably better suited to be on the boundary. But if you want your three best on the field, then – He's probably in the slot. Um, so we'll see. But he's elite. He's the second most valuable player on the team, et cetera, et cetera. Peters, can he bounce back? Because he did He did regress a touch. But I love that uh, swagger and that uh, ball hawking ability. Hopefully he has a good year and he stays with the Ravens a few more years after this. Jimmy's my guy. Everybody knows that. I think he can match up on big receivers, tight ends. Is certain um, like a Kelsey. I don't think he can play high safety personally, and some people are pitching he's a backup safety, like a Brandon Carr was a few years back. I'm not sure he is a short tackler, but I don't think he necessarily has the instincts for that. But whether he's a no, starting, I just don't think he's wired that way at this point. Right, I think right. he's yeah. And he's also people, like getting into his thirties, and like he's kind of a he's just a more physical player. He's not a guy. Everyone's like, well, Charles Woodson did it, and it's like, all right, Charles Woodson's a Hall of Famer. Charles Woodson won the Heisman. Like, yeah, you got to be a fucking Jimmy's, athlete to do that. And Jimmy's like six four and injury prone. Yeah, like, I don't it, know. It's like I I think um, that that ship has sailed. So whether he's you know the bounce starting on the boundary or rotating to keep Marlon and Peters fresh or what it, what it, or matching up on tight ends or matching up on one of the bigger receivers, he's great. Tavon, returning from a string of injuries now, can he regain that agility that kind of allowed him to thrive in the slot with that blitzing ability he knows for the football? 
We'll see. We'll it see. Reminds me so much of Ladarius Webb. Yeah, yeah, I can see that for sure. Absolutely, and he's, they both start on the outside too. You know that that's a that's that's a great. Avon had one of the the best games I've ever seen. Single game like unknown corner, him matching up Antonio Brown in Baltimore a couple years ago locked him up on yeah. the outside. The, uh, he, he was awesome in the Kiko Alonso destroying Flacco game too. I, like yeah. nobody remembers that <laughs> game except for like, sickos like us, but he was sick in that game. Shout out Ryan Jensen. Yep. <laughs> Shout out, Ryan Jensen. We miss you. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Um, Averett, you're not going to find a bit a better fifth corner anywhere. Um, he really came on strong last year with that sticky coverage. I would like to see – and he's good on special teams too. He took a step there. That's what we were looking for. He looks big this offseason. He looks he looks big daddy. Friend I'd, like to, I'd like to see them try to get a contract extension with him sooner rather than later, even if he's the fourth corner on your team. He's he can replace playing. Peters in a couple of years for so cheap. Another yeah. friend of the pod. Another friend of the pod. And then ticking down the list, Sean Wade. Interested to see him the preseason. Uh, wouldn't be totally shocked if he is an IR stash, potentially, because you also have Devontae Harris, who I think is a sleeper to make this team. Very good special teams player. Fared well on defense. Has inside-out versatility. He's a professional that I think could fill out this depth chart, especially because he plays special teams. And if Wade's not going to be able to do that, you might be better off with Harris. You also have Khalil Dorsey, who played decently last year. He's more of a slot option. Mount Marshall, probably. Um, Move him to safety. Yeah, they were, they've been talking about moving him to safety since, since he, was he was in, in high, high school. school. Yeah. Uh, I'd like Second to see- highest rated corner of all time. High school prospect by twenty four seven sports at a ninety nine point like nine four two rating. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, good player, but too injured. And then Chris Westry, I believe. Yeah, yeah. long, long player. Yep. somebody to keep an eye on. Or probably see some run. See some Absolutely burn. on the practice squad. Absolutely, will be on the practice squad. Indeed. So he's got length, is what you're saying. He's long, strong, and down to get the friction on. <laughs> well. We like that. Yeah, not a whole lot to say on this group. I think we, uh, you know, the the picture is relatively painted and there's not a whole lot to say as far as TC or preseason goes. Um, because it just Excited feels- to see what Sean Wade can do as a blitzer and as a tackler and as like a, a toy for Wink Martindale. No mention of Brandon Stevens, really, I noticed here. Well, safety, I was going to do corners first. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's wrap it up on corners if we've got anything else. Excited, just like I said, excited for the preseason for Sean Wade. He okay. can hit. Okay, Sean Wade. Um, yeah, I'm excited for him too. He's uh, another guy who's coming in with uh, a little bit, of fan, a little bit of fanfare, a la some of these other mid round picks they've had at those positions, like an Averett or Marshall. But I think it's maybe even a little bit more warranted in this case because people were talking about him as like a first or a second round type guy before he had a tough 2020 season. But uh, I guess that does it for corners. So now we can jump into safeties. I hinted at uh, some of the stats that I already had for some of these guys, but feels like a position with two very solid players starting at uh, free and strong. Uh, nothing spectacular that's going to blow your socks off necessarily, but I think Deshaun Elliott, we've maybe yet to see the best of him quite yet. Uh, Chuck Clark is very solid, like I said, obviously. And then, uh, you know, it's not a whole lot. I mean, you got Brandon Stevens there in the mix, like we mentioned. Excited to see what uh, he can do in the preseason and the training camp and kind of what they want to do with him, with him being such a surprise pick, obviously. But uh, what, what is your guys' kind of overall 50,000-foot view 
as they'd say, of the safety room. Concerned, depth-wise. I'm very concerned. Boz, let me know Let me know how you're feeling. I completely agree with that. I was hoping they were going to take a safety on day two of the draft. They didn't end up with anybody except for Washington, the UDFA, who uh, we'll see how his limited size and athletic profile translates to the next level. Um, Elliot has a pretty extensive injury history. Clark has been very durable. Clark is great. Um, Except when he ran into the fucking field goal post. <laughs> yeah. He's great as a general, the field general. Elliot's a big hitter. Neither of them have great range. Neither of them have great ball skills, although I think Clark was improving with some PBUs down the stretch last year. So I'd like to see both of them continue to improve. Behind them, it's kind of scary. You have Stevens, who has all the ability to become a good dime safety, but he played corner primarily in college. And you have Anthony Levine, who was never a high safety. Uh, he's more of your – Anthony dime. Levine really is just a linebacker. Like, yeah. Really he's, is just a linebacker. He's a, he's a – and I think he definitely – I think he has a spot locked up, co-cap – they call him co-cap for a reason. He's captain of special teams. I think he's making this team. Um, Jordan Richards, probably, I don't know how many special teams, only guys you can keep. But then you have Washington, Geno Stone, who they released, signed with another team. The other team didn't re-up him. Then he came back. I don't think they would have uh, – they didn't necessarily release him. I, I guess they exposed him and he was poached. Yeah, but uh, I don't think that he's necessarily uh, the solution. And you need three safeties. I mean, they play a lot of dime. At least they used to play a lot of dime, which was their best package. Uh, the last guy on the depth chart is Nigel Warrior, who could be a Anthony Levine kind of guy long term. But if there's one position that I hope that DeCosta uh, adds to before Week One even more than outside linebacker, even more an offensive tackle, even more the defensive line. It is safety. Malik Hooker is still unsigned. He's a ball, ball hawk with tremendous range, injury history. And then you have Trey Boston, who's a hybrid. Trey Boston's safety. still out there? He's still out there. Oh, my God. I would bring him in. So uh, I think it's scary. I mean, you're literally relying on a rookie who's changing positions to be your third safety. And behind him, you have a bunch of special teams guys. Nigel Warrior, the one guy that I um, decently high on. They protected him a couple times. I don't think he ever got any game action. But I think he came up once. Did he suit? I don't know if he suited. I can't I remember. Think so. I think so. Maybe he did. But um, yeah, he's the one guy that I'm looking at. You know, him or Darius Washington, and, and thinking, all right. Let's see what he can do in the preseason. Let's see if he can be a matchup player with tight ends. And uh, he, he kind of just reminds me of Clark and Elliott a little bit. You know, they can cover. They're not single high, proficient, uh, closing, throwing windows types, but he can definitely come up and hit. Definitely can play against the run. Definitely can play special teams, do some things for you. I would not be surprised for him to be the third safety. I would not be shocked to see that play out that way and see him on the field a little bit. A uh, guy that I definitely am curious about for this preseason and I, I, I is one of my guys I'm most excited to watch. I'm sorry, was that Warrior or Washington? Warrior, Warrior. Warrior. Yeah, I'm all about Warrior, no doubt. Right, and then Washington, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they say that he's 
the smartest. He's transitioning from a very different defense. It was quarters oriented, a lot of too high. And uh, I believe Mike Renner referred to him as a, a grandmaster intelligence wise in his scouting report of him. I, I watched him a bit, watched more Morig and, and thereby therefore saw Washington just didn't think the Ravens would be interested in someone of that size, but uh, lo and behold, no team was in the draft and he ends up in Baltimore. So we shall see. Uh, but yeah, I would, I would jump all over Trey Boston right now. I, you know, love Anthony Levine to death, but like how many special teams guys can you have? How many special teams guys that are almost exclusively special teams guys can you have? At least he brings something to defense when he's healthy. You know, he can cover tight ends a bit. More than he can blitz. More than Richards. He he uh he get his hand on some balls. More than Richards. Yeah, yeah. More than uh, Welsh, you know. I mean, I think you keep Levine over I think he's still the captain. Yeah, he I don't think they would have brought him back if they weren't gonna keep him. That that's that would be kind of like odd to bring him back and then let him go unless he's banged up or something. But yeah, it's uh it's a it's an odd group and you're really, really at the mercy of the injury gods in terms of Clark and in terms of Elliott. And at this point, you know, the way people on that defense talk about Clark, you imagine there's going to be a big drop-off communication-wise, big drop-off in terms of this defense's ability to fit properly and align correctly and all that stuff without Clark. So uh, he, I thought, you know, the, the thing about Clark and Elliott is, I, I keep coming back to it, is just I can't really recall a game where I thought, man, you know, Sean Elliott's really struggling this game or, or Chuck Clark's really getting picked on here. You know, they, they weren't all roses. There were some plays here and there. Clark gets dunked on by tight ends, you know, once a week or once every other week or something. So I'm not saying he's some elite player, but those guys were just consistently doing their job well. Um, so, so shout out to them and, and the Ravens, like you said, Vaz, I think the two weakest points maybe of this entire team are, you know, the certainty at edge rusher and then that third safety. So, uh, definitely something to to be alarmed about and hope that a guy like Warrior or a guy like Washington or a guy like Stone can get something going because that is a huge vulnerability. And aside from obviously the quarterback position that, that goes for any team, but I think one of the quickest ways to derail this entire team would be for, I guess, a tackle to go down or, or for one of those safeties to go down now that I'm thinking about it. Right, because it's all predicated on coverage and – the, the entire defensive front doesn't have a you know a bunch of world beaters up front, but it's if you can cover, then it gives them extra time, um, and that all that house of cards crumbles without safe, solid safety play. And both those guys are relied on to blitz, so you know yeah. they they've got to be pretty fluid in what's going on language wise, coverage wise, assignment wise in this defense. So need some guys to step up there. Need some guys to step up at outside linebacker, and uh, I guess Earl Thomas reading. <laughs> wouldn't you fucking love that um, yeah probably not gonna happen um we'll bring it in l thomas again we actually you know we think he's resolved all of his issues yeah he's uh seeing a sex therapist and it's uh it's gonna be a really uh tremendous I mean, his reunion. wife are actually in a great place now they've been going actually, to couples therapy actually, right by a dunkin donuts that i used to go to yeah was, uh, <laughs> me and sully actually saw them ducking in there we were in dunkin donuts and uh it was uh, just great to see him destigmatize all that stuff but uh yeah, no, there's not going to be an Earl Thomas reunion, but um, you know, what I, if what if the they didn't rule on his contract thing yet, right? Or no, no, so no, what no. if the NFL's like, listen, you got to pay him the ten million, 
they're like, all right, well, you might as well come back if we had to pay either way. Get your is ass it, back here, boy. So is that in cash? Or <laughs> do they get do they get charged a cap? Like, because yeah. I, I thought that yeah. was just cash. There's, there's, there's potential. Cap I think it's up to twenty five million total. I think it's fifteen million at stake. Am I wrong? It was I ten. It, like, I thought it was, it was ten. I don't know. Some of the I things. Think, uh, I think it was a guaranteed ten. I think they had ten lost, and it's up to twenty five. Let me it just say. Uh, let me just say some of the things uh, floating around by the initiative people or the initiated people who would know what they're talking about. I don't think the Ravens are in much danger of losing that. Yeah, some yeah. of the yeah. shit that he was doing. Um, yeah, they would have suspended him for a long time or something instead. They're not just gonna. Yeah. They, they felt good there. All right, so uh, bizarre Earl Thomas conversation. I guess that uh, maybe signals that we are at the end of the road. What is dead may never die. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, really. When it comes to the uh, the defense, any last takes on it before we get rolling? Man, uh, a lot of like I said, I just think that there's so many spine players, like Queen, like the safeties, like Bowser. Uh, like LJ Fort, who you were mentioning, Vaz, you know, a guy that you can rely on in those high leverage situations. I like the way you put that. He's going to be able to, he's going to sit in the right zone. He's going to make the right read. He's not going to, you know, chase down Tyree Kill in the open field or something, but uh, just a lot of similar bodies like that. And that's part of that positionless football. And I'm excited to see the interchangeability. And I think Malik Harrison and Patrick Queen taking steps forward makes this defense pretty nasty in terms of being able to end plays. And it just feels like now that we've hashed it out, Calais Campbell would really stink to see him go down and neither of those safeties. So looking at looking at safety, looking at defensive line, and those are areas that need to be bolstered. And uh, then, then maybe, I guess, tackle overall now that we've completed both sides of this. So those are the three positions that you're looking for depth in that you are probably going to need at some point. And hopefully the Ravens find it. Yeah, for sure. The defense overall – Kind of an eclectic group. The defensive line is extremely old, except for Matabike. The linebackers are extremely young across the board, except for McPhee. Then at corner, you're, you have depth on depth on depth on depth on depth, and safety, you're very thin. I do think the defense is going to miss Judon to some extent. Um, but I think they'd I, like to have him right now. But I think it's okay because the NFL is not an offensive league. And the right. Ravens now have playmakers, playmaking receivers that can allow Lamar to engineer a comeback when the defense doesn't have their A game. Player I'm excited for the preseason is Daylon Hayes, I think, very much so, especially out of the rookie class. Want to see what he can do. I'm with sure. you. And uh, I'm excited to see a uh, little Brandon Stevens. I'm intrigued by that pick. But uh, – I guess that's all we got on defense, fellas. Great job. Uh, great job on the offensive preview, which dropped earlier this week, but uh, we obviously recorded it uh, simultaneously here, so we're running on about three hours of recording. Uh, I think we got a little burned-out clutch. Excited to get out of here, but I think it was a good preview, and uh, I thank you gentlemen for joining me. I thank everyone for listening. Hope you enjoyed this week of training camp previews and are excited for camp opening. Hope some of you are going to be uh, getting out to practice. Obviously, the time has passed to go ahead and get your uh, – parking passes, whatever it might be that you're going to need. But uh, if you do, uh, you know, excited to maybe see you out there. I know Spenny's going to be in attendance. There's questions as to whether I might be able to join, but uh, hopefully I can get out there as well, uh, you know, in, in certain spots. So it's uh, it's all very exciting. Football's back, baby. Can you feel it? I can feel it. Coming in the end of night. Uh, if you liked what you heard, go ahead and subscribe to us. 
Thank that was you. a drum line. Yeah, thanks, Phil. Um, <laughs> if you like what you heard, go ahead and follow us on social media. You can find me at, on Twitter at Jake Luke. That is L-O-U-Q-U-E with the blue check mark next to my name. You can find Spencer at Ravens for Dummies. That's the number four. You can find the show at Podcast Beatdown and find our main feed at Baltimore or at Be More Beatdown where we're tweeting out all sorts of promotional stuff. Uh, Vosh, would you like to uh, plug yourself, your work, all your stuff as you're kind of getting back into the mix here in the uh, football sphere? Sure. So I... Uh, Writing for Baltimore Beatdown, and my Twitter handle is at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. Can't wait for the 21 season. Uh, Ravens have been climbing up the mountain, and uh, they're getting a little bit closer. Hopefully this is the year. You heard it from the man himself. So uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week, uh, presumably breaking down some more training camp stuff as it opens, maybe some content rolling out from the castle, hopefully. But uh, until then, we will talk to you guys. See ya. Arrivederci. Gorlami. Gorlami. Arrivederci. 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 Arrivederci.